We find that most, for most students that we work with, it's their first time coding. And also that they, um, if dance wasn't involved, they most likely wouldn't sign up for the program. This is No Such Thing, a podcast about the promise and reality of learning with technology. I'm Mark Lesser. If I was throwing a party where I was asked to put together interesting educators who are approaching STEM and computer science in new ways that are worth taking a look at, I would invite Yamalai Toussaint. Not only would I invite her, she'd be really high on the list. Uh, She is the young founder of an organization born in Brooklyn called STEM from Dance. She's joined in this conversation by an alum, Daniela McEwen, and together we talk not only about the story of STEM from Dance, but also about uh, the background of Yamale, who grew up in a house with mechanical engineers and eventually goes on to train at MIT, become, I think, one of two women of color who graduated in her class of mechanical engineers at MIT. And lucky for us, her career takes a turn when she decides to get into education. Not long after, she founded this organization when students of hers were more fired up to dance than they were to get into math and computer science. And when she when she witnessed that, like many great social entrepreneurs, she saw an opportunity. I can't wait for you to meet her. Before we get into the conversation, I want to remind you that a rating and review of No Such Thing goes a really long way. Please do. I'm giving away a Google Pixel phone brand new by Halloween. Tweet to let me know with hashtag No Such Thing Podcast. I hope you're enjoying the show. I appreciate your support. Check out Yamale and Danila. So Yamale, tell me what it was like to grow up in a home of engineers. For sure. Yeah, my father has been a mechanical engineer. He's approaching retirement now and has spent his whole career in it. And it was super cool. I think uh, some of my memories were my father just um, tinkering with stuff. Like if there's something broken, he's going to fix it. He's going to find a way to fix it. And I think that I started to pick up that orientation that I could fix things that are broken. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, also he would bring me to work with him. And, you know, that was fun just to, like, you know, follow my father around and see how, you know, cool he was. Like, his profession looked cool. Yeah. And uh, I think that that ended up having a big influence on me. And my older brother is a mechanical engineer as well. And same thing. Like, when I hear about the work that he does, I'm like, that's so cool. Yeah. You know, and and so definitely have a, a deep love for the field. So how early do you think you had that reaction that that sounds cool what they do mm-hmm. i recall from pictures that i was maybe 
about 10, 11, when I went to my father's job and got to do these little things. And he organized that uh, bring your daughter to work day. Uh-huh. And, and I think that's when I got to see him and his element. And then, you know, they gave us a little project to work on. I think that was the, the beginning of it. Wow. So, um, Danila, you started in American schools as a freshman in high school. Is that right? Yes, I did. So tell me what that was like coming from where you did to New York and starting from scratch. Well, that's a nice question, actually. Um, Actually, it was kind of difficult in a way because my country, the way we speak, is kind of fast. So when I'm talking to people, it's like, what are you saying? Mm. Like, go slow. And the work was different in a way. Like, what we would do in, like, for instance, um, like in grade 10, Mm -hmm. like, they already did in grade 8. So we were... In Guyana? Yes. So we were kind of... Like way back in time, and the math was different. Like over here in America, students are so caught up on, on using the calculators and stuff. Mm. Back home, we didn't use that. We had to use our own brain, <laughs> <laughs> and we had to get used to it. So that was like a big benefit for me on that behalf from school. But apart from that, moving was difficult because I missed all my family. Yeah. And finding new friends and how everyone would be like, America is this, America is that. And you're going to see a lot of kids getting bullied. And you... But Bilo wasn't like that. Mm. The kids were friendly and all of us were from the Caribbean. So we all had something in common to share, mm-hmm. like our different cultures and stuff. At first, like different students were like... Oh, you're speaking too fast. Can you slow down? But mm-hmm. when I like slowed down a little bit and they like I told them certain stuff in a way for them to understand, they'd be like, Oh my god, that's so cool, say it back. Mm-hmm. Right? So we all shared different cultures yeah. and references to different stuff that our country would say that in America. Yeah. yeah. Did that surprise you when you came here and um you saw the difference between the education system you came from and the education system in New York? Actually, no. I expected it, to be honest, because I came here to have a better education, so I expected something way better than what my country mm-hmm. was given to their students. So it wasn't a surprise, really. But the, the thing you mentioned about um, in the U.S., people being obsessed with things like calculators, where you were expected to use your brain. Yes. Um, was that a surprise to you? Uh, kind of, yeah, because, like, I don't know how to say this. Um, Like, I taught, like, Teachers will show you how to do it with your brain first and how to use it on the calculator mm-hmm. to like get your like equation solved, but they only use showed you from the calculator, not from your brain. Yeah. So it's mm. like a breeze. <laughs> so then flash forward to your being introduced to STEM from dance and Tell I'm curious what it's like when somebody comes into your classroom and is like, oh, you know, let me tell you about this program, STEM from Dance. We're going to dance, but it's about 
STEM, um, how did you get interested and uh, what was your reaction when you first heard about the program? Actually, I love dancing. So I was like, oh my God, a new program is here. Let's go join. So me and my friends, we were all excited because we're like, what's STEM? I'm like, <laughs> have, you know, but we were so curious. We decided to come one afternoon to find out what the whole program was about. And we found out it wasn't only about dancing, but learning how to, you know, like to code and stuff. So we got more interested and we wanted mm. to learn something new. So me and my friends, we got engaged with the whole program. Yeah. So it was fun for us. Did your experience change the way you see or felt about STEM? Actually, yes, it did. I learned a lot of stuff from this program and it like kind of changed the way I see certain stuff in America. Yeah. Can you give me an example? First of all, I taught STEM. Well, not really. Well, STEM was like a feel from men uh-huh. because that's all you usually see, like men in STEM all the time. Like there's no women. And then when I heard the percentage of women inside of STEM, it's really crazy. It's mm-hmm. like really low, like like seven percent mm-hmm, of really. women and i'm like wow that's mm. a little bit and it's like sc- for me it's mm. scary to be in a class of like 20 boys and you're the only female mm-hmm. they're gonna make you feel like you don't belong here so i'm like how would i react to that situation mm. like that so it was kind of off for me yeah you guys have this really cool um thread that in common that connects your two stories in in my mind as i as i learn more about the two of you you had this moment of culture shock coming into the schools in the u.s you as one of i don't know how many uh young women of color were in the mit mechanical engineering program but what was that like Mm. it was it was challenging I think, um, interestingly enough, MIT has a 50-50 male-female ratio, mm-hmm. but within mechanical engineering, it's skewed. And and so, you know, like your first year, you're taking, you know, I guess, gen- like the, the general requirements. Yeah. And so, you know, pretty even. And so then switching to my mechanical engineering classes... Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a different picture. Mm-hmm. I think um, in my graduating class, I was one of two um, black women to graduate in my degree that year. And so how many classes did you walk into first class of the semester that you were the only woman for one black woman? In most of my classes, there were other women. Yeah, there were probably one or two other black women. OK. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? Had you you had you dealt with that your whole life, being uh, somebody who grew up in a family of engineers and and been into this your whole life? Was it was it just sort of what you expected, or was it a shock? I was a bit accustomed to it because of high school. Mm-hmm. My high school was predominantly white, um, and I was used to in my class, like my AP honors classes, being one of a few people of color. Mm-hmm. So I think that maybe prepared me for that environment, having studied in that school for, you know, going to high school yeah. uh, prior to college. 
So in hindsight, I think that prepared me. I think what made the college experience more challenging is like the things that are challenging about going to MIT, mm-hmm. you know, um, just the level of rigor is really, really high. Mm-hmm. The level of expectations high and, you know, and we all want to reach that. And uh, doing that within a classroom where you don't see people like you. I know I, I started to feel a bit isolated because I outside of classes, I gravitated towards um, like the Black Women's Alliance and a dance group and the Black Students Union. Mm-hmm. So my community was built around people of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to not have that or see that community in my classes uh, started to make me feel a little isolated, like you know, maybe less likely to ask um, to see a friend or a peer um, in my classes that I could turn to. And, you know, I... I I'll get the help that I need. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I have no hesitation working with others or um, like I I tried to make sure that didn't keep me from succeeding. Yeah. Uh, But I felt like just socially it's 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 a little maybe less enjoyable to 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 not be able to see my community in my classes and to be able to study Mm. um, in, in those environments that I feel more comfortable in. And I'm curious from what you had learned from your dad and from what you had experienced about an engineering environment, um, is an engineering environment a social one? I think it's meant to be, especially since a lot of our classes were project based. Um, oftentimes, and also not even um, even classes that were, were more academic, the culture is to work in groups. Mm. Like you can't get through that experience without working with others. And so, I, I, and if you look at industry, it, it is you know often working in teams. So I think it's designed to be. I think, in general, I think my father is a really cool guy. And so it, it, it kind of had that veneer to it mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so I, I do feel like I was able to 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 find groups and 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 teams to to work with. Yeah. But yeah, it, it just has a different a different feel when it's like for class. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I guess kind of what I'm getting at engineering it, it to me i'm not an engineer but what i know about and what we teach about engineering is that it is a really social process that mm-hmm. um, it takes teams and it takes multiple brains to make meaning of a problem mm-hmm. and um i guess what i'm getting at is for uh educators in stem to appreciate um that a young woman or a young man of color who is thrust into an undergraduate experience where they not only are learning the field of engineering, but they're also having to relearn Mm -hmm. some things about social life Mm -hmm. where um, they don't necessarily have peers around, where they might have in schools where they came from. Um, So so I was just curious about Mm -hmm. your perspective on how much you were learning both the social, relearning the social aspect Mm -hmm. of engineering and learning Mm -hmm. what you had to about engineering Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm making sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that. 
What was it like? Mm -hmm. I'm curious what your dad's reaction the day you graduated from MIT. Mm -hmm. What was what was his reaction? Mm -hmm. Do you remember? And and finding out that I'm not going to become an engineer. That part of just the graduating. No, no, I wasn't getting to that. <laughs> but just the I, I mean, I can only imagine the sense of pride. Like if my kids came out of MIT, but um, I feel like if if my daughter was one of two women. Uh, who made it through that kind of rigorous experience, I would just, I would be beaming. Mm -hmm. um, so, do mm -hmm. you remember his reaction? Mm, not specifically, but I will say, hmm, I think he's been proud of me prior to MIT happening. Mm -hmm. Uh because I've always been really ambitious and active and performing and, you know, so I think I've had a lot of opportunities just to see, to art, to accomplish things that were, you know, meaningful for my age. Mm -hmm. So I think graduating from MIT was just another uh, accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And I think even my work with Sent From Dance, you know, is more grounds for for my family to be really proud of the work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I see it as something that was um, continuous. But yes, he has his MIT bumper sticker. <laughs> he wears his MIT dad hat. Nice. So he is very, very proud of me for, oh, for that. accomplishing that. Okay, so then what was his reaction when you were like, <laughs> yeah, not so much on the engineering career right away? Mm -hmm. I, think, I think that was surprising for a lot of people. Because I have some other engineers in the family. Mm -hmm. And I think that was surprising with the, with the hint of disappointment mm -hmm. uh, that I invested that time and I'm not doing it directly. Uh, but I saw that shift, I'd say within maybe, maybe a year or so of teaching, mm -hmm. I think they kind of got why that was a good fit for me. Mm -hmm. And especially once that led into me working with STEM from Dance, I think that really justified the, yeah. the, the, the journey that I've been on. Yeah. Um, so you do two years with Teach for America. Mm -hmm. And how did you end up um, I know you have to, you you can't pick any subject when you go into TFA, but you ended up in algebra. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And what was that like? High school algebra, mm -hmm. man, did it, like, I, even now I get uh, anxious thinking about being an algebra teacher because of what my reaction was as a high school student <laughs> to algebra. Oh, I love algebra. Yeah. Yes. I just love teaching it. I love doing it. I think it's... Uh, it's like a puzzle, just mm -hmm. like, you know, people like solving crossword puzzles or jigsaw puzzles. Yeah. It's this puzzle that you could figure out. It has a finite answer for the most part. And uh, it's, I think it's fun. And mm -hmm. so teaching it, getting other students to be excited about algebra, that's a, that's a task I was willing to take on yeah. uh, because, you know, it gets a bad rap. Yeah. I think it's, um, it is challenging, and especially if, if um, if a student doesn't have the prerequisite skills uh -huh. um, that they should at the point of entering an algebra classroom, I get that it can be very frustrating and seem insurmountable. Uh -huh. uh, but I love that that task of yeah. getting that kind of student to see, oh, I could do this yeah. and I could understand it as well. Yeah. So what was the first experiment with 
stem from dance. Uh, w- mm. Like what what did you do first that sort of turned into what mm. is now uh, a, a growing organization? Mm. So I did a really small pilot with the school that I was teaching at a year after I I stopped teaching. Yep. And I worked with a handful of students, uh, maybe eight. And I just came in, I think, once a week. And I did I helped them with their math homework for half of the time. And then I taught them a dance in the other half of the mm-hmm. time. I think we might have done some, some like, confidence-building activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just really... Uh, I guess well the the feedback that I ended up getting was that it felt like two separate programs mm. like it's like a tutoring program and a dance program mm-hmm. uh, but I'm grateful for that time because it was a very low barrier of entry right. uh, easy to convince the principal to let me come in and work with a handful of students and uh, I think seeing doing it gave me the um, the push to be like oh okay I could pat myself on the back I did something mm-hmm. And then I think it, it, getting that feedback about how disjointed it was, mm-hmm. um, I've like kickstarted this like several year long process of figuring out how do you marry dance and STEM together in a way that feels you know genuine and it has the impact mm-hmm. that I wanted to see. What do you think the connection is to Neil? What was the thing or what were the things mm-hmm. that when you were dancing and you were in, uh, you were learning a choreography or, or um, whatever you were doing in that part of the program, and then you switched over to doing the, the math and coding, mm-hmm. what were the things that carried over for you um, from one to the other? Like, oh, I'm still using this skill or this disposition mm-hmm. in these two environments. Oh, oh, okay, not okay. Um, well, how do I say it's a hard, it's a tough yeah. question to think about. It is <laughs> okay, okay for like the dancing and the coding. It was like you both like you're learning something new uh-huh. that day and. Like, if you learn a new dance move, like, mm-hmm. you, and you go switch over, like, you're still learning something new from for the coding. Yeah. And most of the coding was music because we did it on air sketch. Mm-hmm. So, like, the moves that we wanted would would fit with the beat that we got from air sketch, mm. which was this pro- coding pro. Yeah, tell um, us about air sketch. Okay, air sketch is a website that you could code on to like make your own music and stuff out of beats mm. and like there's different like types of coding that you could use but we use python to um do our coding and stuff so cool. it was that's where for me that's where the connection was because like if you want to do a dance or like make up your own dance and they have different types of like um different sections like you have the instrument section like different instruments that you could use different beats mm. and most of the girls like african beats so we like kind of put the drums up in there to like spice up our dance a yeah. little bit so yeah that's where the connection was because dancing and the different coding of the beats and stuff like got us hyped up in a way like oh my god i could really do this yeah. i love that beat and we all brought different beats together to make a song, I guess, yeah. without the words. <laughs> so, yeah. 
so you were engaged by the the sort of movement and the uh, and the music, and it sounds a lot like um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but but you talk a lot about confidence as a thread that's really important uh, in the connection between the two. If you had to answer that question. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the is the thread between the arts and STEM? Mm-hmm. I think it's a few things, a few things come to mind. So one is the entry point. I think although more students know what STEM stands for now, hmm. I think it still feels intimidating. Hmm. And I but the arts, maybe less so, especially for the communities that we work with. Uh, and so, you know, I could go to a group of students and say, come join our STEM program. Uh, or I could say, come join our dance program. We'll mm-hmm. also be doing some STEM. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that um, that lowers that entry barrier with the addition of our focus on girls. Yeah. I think creating a space um, um, using dance and any art form, you know, th- there's just something different about a dance room, not like a physical dance room, but a room mm. where you're dancing, you're you're learning something together, you have the chance to perform, you're laughing, you know, there's just a certain joy that I think mm-hmm. comes from an environment that you're dancing with. So to create that space for them to learn STEM in the absence of boys, uh, I think that combination allows, like, it goes back to that idea of just lowering the entry barrier for mm-hmm. them to engage in something, you know, and express themselves artistically and technically. Yeah. Something else I hope that translates in the connection between the two is um, just the way that you think is is very similar in the two disciplines. I think of the times when the students are choreographing, you know, choreography is very systematic. You know, I feel like it kind of has this look of, you know, you're just like flowing and you just do what comes to mind and whatever your heart tells you or how the beat moves you, which happens. Mm-hmm. But but also, especially when you're dealing with a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, you can approach it very systematically. Right. Um, spatial awareness is important. Um, rhythm is important. Uh, and that kind of, that has a, a math orientation to how you think about it mm-hmm. and you know and obviously that's that's the case with coding and and that connection I, i'm not surprised that Danila when it you know like oh i'm using my spatial awareness in both of these you know like that yeah. i feel like that's more baked into the experience yeah. uh, but that's what we hope that they gain is that ability to to take a challenge one cha- one challenge is choreographing a dance. Another challenge is, you know, making a song or making, you know, a circuit uh, and taking that same sort of, you know, design thinking approach to both of them. Mm. Uh, and yes, like you mentioned about confidence, I think. Hmm, I don't want to repeat what I said earlier, but I, uh, I think for confidence, you know, a lot of our young girls of color like to dance, not 
not everybody, but, Mm -hmm. you know, a good number do. And I think... I get excited just seeing the excitement that happens, especially when we're teaching a dance that they really enjoy. Like they're loving the movement. Uh, you know, they're excited. You know, they they want to start dancing before we even begin the class. Mm. And and being the ones to say, you know, just like you love to dance, um, you know, we're, we're engaging you in this thing that you love, that you're accustomed to. Uh, you know, you can't like w- w- the same. We're the same adults and we'll show you how to, um, you know, make a shirt that lights up. You know, I think I think that them having that confidence in us sort of um, bridging the gap between the two. Uh, I love I love seeing that happen in the same space and just for them to say, oh, yeah, I could I could do all of these things. Mm. You know, I I love um, showing them examples in pop culture where, you know, a famous artist is doing, you know, is performing and there's some technology involved Mm. and then just empowering them to think, you know, like, I don't have to just be the backup dancer or, you know, the main artist, but, you know, I could, I could be that technician that created that backdrop, uh, just empowering them to, to, to see themselves in in both, Mm -hmm. in both areas. Who, who are the artists that you show or Danila, maybe you have favorites. What artists have you seen that are really incorporating this stuff in an innovative way that you're like, Oh my goodness. Like this, this has all kinds of possibilities. Oh, Beyonce. Yeah. Beyonce. Um, Miss Yamale showed us this video with Beyonce doing a dance with um, like the background. Uh-huh. That's my favorite. Anyways. What, tell us, describe what the background was. Why she was dancing, like the, diff- like the background had like, it was a diamonds or something. Mm-hmm. I think it was diamonds like falling. So when she go faulted one to the ground, the diamond would fall and smash. Mm. And then like her backup dancer would get up in the and I don't know, like shift to the side. So mm-hmm. it was like, so when the diamonds smash, they shifted to the side. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we all started to freak out. Like, oh my God, I want to try that. Like, yeah. let's try something like that. So we all got excited for that. And it was like, <laughs> So did you try something like that? Yes, we did. <laughs> Tell, describe what you did. <laughs> um, well, I think we did like a circle. Like we did, but my group, we did this circle. So when the circle was coming down or like in the middle, mm-hmm. like we would be in like cuddle up to get there and start doing some movements or whatever. And mm-hmm. then the circle would shift apart. Uh-huh. And then we always shift apart from each and other. And where was the circle was on a screen? Yes. At Behind the back you? of the, Yes. Okay. So whatever was going on at the back, we were doing at the front. Got it. But moving with yeah. it. So you added this um, digital layer to your choreography. Yes. What did you use to to create that system? What? Oh, the name. That was a while ago. It's called processing. <laughs> processing. Yes. So you learned some processing. That's pretty amazing. I know. And you and you projected this thing. So how did people react? Did you have family there for the performance? Actually. Actually, we didn't have a performance for it, actually. We were just learning how to do it and so forth. Yeah. yeah. What What did you, when you saw it work? When, when I saw it work? Like, what you what mean? was your reaction? Like, oh, my God, I want to try that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 
Vanessa was Beyonce. I love Beyonce. I'm like, oh my God, if she could do it, I could do it too. Like, it's not that hard. Just make the diamond drop and you drop. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's this one, uh, there's this one thing I love is, is there's an image for me of like when people dance, when a, when a, a group of people dances together, mm-hmm. um, there's just there's kind of an energy that uh, I hate the word energy. It sounds so syrupy, <laughs> right? But there's um, it does have something to do with lowering uh, barriers and inhibitions and um, being in a place where you get more confident that um, you're going to use one another to make this work and make this a fun thing. And I love the idea that you have this energy coming from young people dancing together and you're going to carry it over into, um, into STEM. Um, but I feel like it's, I, I feel like you guys also, there's, there's kind of a, there's one way to look at STEM from dance, which is, um, uh, I could see a critic of a program like yours saying, oh, well, it's it's chocolate over broccoli, right? <laughs> like you're just putting this, the dance out there to engage young people um, and then they come in and like they'll tolerate the math and science um, because they want to come for the dance, which I'm not so sure would be a bad thing necessarily. But I feel like you're doing more. There was a, there's a moment that... Um, you describe where you you move from doing uh, more of a straight choreography to then incorporating. You were talking about like some e-textiles and and Danila, the description that you just gave of how you sort of digitize the choreography in this way. This is this is another thing altogether. This isn't just chocolate over broccoli. So can you say more about that? And and um, what kind of expertise have you had to bring into the organization to figure out how to get into the e-textiles piece? Because you're doing some mm-hmm. of that now, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what I'd say first is, you know, if we got to find a way for somebody to eat broccoli and it takes putting <laughs> chocolate over it, hey, I'll pour on the chocolate. Uh, I think, you know, I'm down to do, you know, whatever it takes. And if our students are interested in dance, let's find a way to, you know, use dance. Uh, and I've been excited to start wearing with or start working with the the wearable technology, mm-hmm. which Danila got to participate in. And uh, I think it opens so many doors for um, ways for our students to continue dancing and get involved in the the tech aspect of, I guess, fashion Mm. and textile. So um, that's been such a neat transition. I think just visually, it makes the connection between the two way more clear. Mm. I think we're seeing more, I guess, more references in pop culture of that taking place. Uh, And... um, and yeah, it's been it's been a blast. I'm curious to hear what you think about that project. Uh, actually, that project was fun, also, and in connection to STEM and dance. Um, like as we worked in groups to like make the wearable technology, it was like it was like most of us knew how to knit, but we were like, 
I don't know why we're doing this. Let's go back and dance. But we found out we could like make this wearable technology like really creative and exciting for our dance to look popping. So <laughs> most of us decided to um, do different designs that's gonna suit our like the way we want to dress and so forth. Yeah. I'm very vain. I put my name. <laughs> <laughs> so I made the letter of my name, D, on my top. And I was the unique one out of everyone because right. I'm nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so apart from that, for that project that we did, that was fun, as I said earlier. Like, I got to sit down and, like, make something with my friends that was going to be really cool for us to, for us when we were dancing. Because, the like, the lives changed whenever we made a movement or something. So if we did a spin, like, the lights would stay on that color for a long while until we stopped and changed mm. to another color. So that was fun. Uh, and if we did like a like a job beat or something, like the colors would change. So right. Every beat like the song had, the colors would change. I love that. I made it more like oh my god! That like the lights would so keep cool. changing. Oh my god! So it was fun. Like it made the crowd more interested in what we was doing. I would imagine though it it requires that you complete like lock down the choreography at a certain yeah. point yes no more changes yes otherwise you gotta back up and change all your code mm -hmm. wow you i want to back up to something you said earlier um about uh young women specifically like this program is not for everybody and you're you talked about um, having young women together separate from having this be a co-ed setup. What have you seen as being the difference there? And, and um, do you think you'll ever do some things that are co-ed? Hmm. This makes me think of an experience I had in college. It was a, I think it was a product design class, and I was in a team of maybe 10, 10 people, and there was a point where we had to come up with different roles to play. Mm. Uh, I forget exactly how I let this happen, uh, or like what led to my assignment as the like marketing person. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is an engineering class, and so in hindsight, I was like, wait, how did how did I end up with like the most non technical role, and yeah. and I and I. I th I think I th I think gender had something to to do with it, mm -hmm. in including my my role to um or my decision to take on that role, because um, I was a mechanical engineering major like the rest of my team and I wasn't part of the design of the product, mm. uh, and I th and I think you know probably a whole lot of things went into that, but I think one part of it is um there is this dynamic that you know i think women can tend to take those less technical roles are are feel more hesitant to express themselves um technically in the presence of of boys who may be more gung-ho about um about the tech side of things and so when i think of the um, our students working in groups together mm. 
um, because that's where they spend most of their time with us, you know, there's no hiding. Like every everybody is gonna participate. Like everybody's making their own circuit. Everybody's participating in this, like creating the song that they're coding. Um, there there isn't room to to hide behind somebody else who who you know will, will choose a more technical role or um, are being intimidated by uh, a male presence who may be more forward. Um, and taking and taking, you know, lead of the computer mm. and such. Um, so I've I, I've seen that. I, I envision that um, if there were boys in the program, that that dynamic within the group could be different. Mm-hmm. I think also I think it just like the fear of getting something wrong, uh, and um, so when we're teaching a coding lesson, you know, I, I think there's just an environment where it's, yeah, it's a little more wiggle room to to be wrong because you're not under the um, the pressure of looking good in front of a boy, which mm-hmm. happens at that middle school, high school age, yeah. Uh, which, yeah. And I'm not sure if we would become a co-ed program I want to be good at being a program that services girls mm. and if you mm-hmm. it, I'm, t- I'm totally um, uh, making stuff up but uh, it feels like you're engineer uh, in that um, to design it the way that you have feels like the quickest way from point A to point B so if you're intended outcome is about young women mm-hmm. um, and you can isolate factors that make you more or less successful um, in fostering a certain identity with that specific population, then um, as an engineer, it seems mm-hmm. like the the right solution there is to rule out um, things that might infringe on mm-hmm. uh, the quickest way mm-hmm. from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I get that. And when I hear stories from people like you about, um, what the benefits are and, and, and why that's so critical, um, I really get it. Uh, I, sometimes I've heard arguments the other way about, uh, co-ed programming, um, you know, research sometimes bears out the, the benefits of, having gender-specific programming being more successful, and then sometimes it doesn't work. And um, so I'm really interested in what those factors are, and mm-hmm. not, that's not for us to answer today, but in uh, some some future episode where we talk about uh, co-ed versus gender-specific programs, maybe you can weigh in. But, but man, I feel like uh, what you're doing right now is uh, has a magic to it, and uh, I don't blame you for... for <laughs> Not messing with a, a formula that's working. Mm. Um, tell me, so so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the mission of STEM from Dance. Um, when you have young women come through your program now that you've had some time to iterate and work on mm. what it is you're after and the impact you really think that you can have, what is it that you hope every young person who comes through your program is taking away? Mm-hmm. I hope 
each girl feels a sense of accomplishment. I think what we ask them to do in the time span we have is pretty incredible. I mean, they have to perform in front of their whole school body, you know, a, a piece of work that they created from scratch. Um, so I just hope they feel that sense of, I, I did that. And, you know, along with that, we hope they become more confident to say, if I did that, surely I could do other great things. Mm. Um, we hope that they see a STEM career as something that is exciting, that is promising, and that is something that is within their ability. Mm -hmm. I hope that when they envision a computer scientist or an engineer, they see a woman of color. Mm -hmm. And I hope that they have tangible skills that they could carry forward, mm -hmm. um, like how to approach an open-ended problem, not a worksheet to fill in, but an open-ended problem, um, how to, you know, do some things in code, um, and, and yeah, just how to work with others in a group to mm -hmm. accomplish a, a task. Um, so that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Our, our, um, so I'm going to ask you another question about, about outcomes, but with, we'd be silly not to do some informal research now. Mm -hmm. Our, our N is one, obviously, <laughs> but, um, Danila, when, uh, Yamales talks about the mission, um, uh, does that resonate to you? Was that your experience and what have you taken from your experience? Actually, that was my, that's what, well, everything Ms. Yamle just said is actually true. Her mission is, like, is successful so far. But it's from, from me, personally. Mm -hmm. I can't say about the other students, mm -hmm. but her mission worked for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I no longer see, like, a woman not being in the STEM field, and especially a black woman. Mm -hmm. So it's like... It made me realize I can't be scared about being a woman of color and a girl to be in that field. Because these simple projects that she made us do was like, it was easy at first to like think about, but when you're actually doing it, mm -hmm. it's different. Like you have to put your, your mind to it. Like you have to want it. And after you want it, you have to express it to the people around you. And sharing it was kind of scary because most of the girls do not want to, like, dance in front of a crowd. Mm -hmm. So she made us dance in front of different crowds. That's mm -hmm. going to make us feel like, okay, this is not the same crowd from last time. Let's try to do better mm -hmm. and so forth. So it's, like, like, made us feel more confident about ourselves and the way we express ourselves in not only in the way we talk, but in body language yeah. and so forth. And, um, oh my God. Another, another thing that I took away was, wow, oh my God. For the, f oh my God, I just had it. Mm. <laughs> like, for if 
actually, oh yes, one of the big questions were, would you join a STEM field or yeah. join a STEM career or something like that? Actually, I actually did something like computer coding in my country before, so mm-hmm. it was like a new step for me. Like, oh my God, I could do this. If I did it in my country, I could do it again. Mm-hmm. But me personally, I do not have that mindset to be in a STEM field. Mm-hmm. I'm not good of a math student and so forth. And my vision of like some people were like nerdy and so forth. Mm-hmm. But after I saw Miss Yamwe and Ms. Emma and so forth, I'm like, they're not cool. They're not nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> so like maybe made me realize it doesn't like the stereotype that you thought mm. was about these people isn't true mm-hmm. and so forth. So yeah, that made me like open up my eyes more. Like it's not about only trusting. And, right. All about computer and coding right, and right. coding. It's about creating something new. Like make you like want to create something new and want to do it. Yeah. And that's what we did. Create something new and make us want to do it. Yeah. I wish I could uh, describe to people who are listening but can't see you what you look like when you're describing something you're excited about. But uh, to hear you describe um, dance in a way where your eyes light up the same way that you describe tackling the problem of the digital choreography that you did, um, to me, is an amazing demonstration of outcome. Um, But I do want to ask you, I know that research is extremely expensive, mm-hmm. and especially young organizations, it's hard for us. A funder will say, okay, well, now prove to me that you're doing what you say you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you tackled that problem so far? And I would assume that it's a, a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me where you are so far. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we have a set of tools we use that has iterated a lot over the past couple years. Uh, so we have uh, a pre and post survey that uh, that we give the students that I've created from a lot of pro bono help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, we just use it the best we can um, until we can get something more, um, you know, what should I say? professionally until we get something more um, fancy yes <laughs> uh, and and it has helped to to give us some quantifiable measures on on where we're landing as far as confidence and their understanding mm-hmm. of of computer science and such we also give them a test on the tech side of what they learn mm-hmm um, and, and what are you finding so far from the pre-post and the test? Mm, uh, a lot of really neat things. Uh, one data point that I love is we find that most for most students that we work with, it's their first time coding. Mm-hmm. And also that they, um, if dance wasn't involved, they w- most likely wouldn't sign up for the program. Mm. So I think those two together are really interesting. I think it shows that we are able to work with a set of students in a technical manner who mm-hmm. wouldn't 
have signed up for such an opportunity otherwise. Uh, I think we're also seeing a lot of movement as far as their understanding of what STEM is, what a computer programmer does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that excites me just because, because uh, like, you know, Daniela mentioned, there's this, you know, this stereotypes that exist um, and this um, lack of understanding. Like in my experience, although I got to see my father, you know, work at his workplace or talk about work, I don't think I really understood what a mechanical engineer did until I was in a lab. Mm -hmm doing you know working on projects and so that's the point that we try to get them to where they're they're getting it because they're doing it mm -hmm. and we've seen a lot of movement in in that regard um and we have so many stories so many great stories of um of students just being able to reflect and see the growth that they've in they've um reflect on the growth that they've experienced. Mm. Um, do you have Do you have a board member who's a former student? No, that would be great. Yeah, because I was, I was thinking, too, that you guys, uh, tell me the year that you guys were, you founded the organization. 2011. 11. So, so pretty soon you're going to have young people coming up through uh, their undergraduate experiences. And, and that, I, I just imagine, will be an exciting time when you get that first batch of alum who mm -hmm. are out there and working. Mm -hmm. um, Danila, you said you don't know if you have the mindset for STEM necessarily as a career. But I read someplace that you were thinking, like one of your considerations was nursing, yes. right? And, and the health professions. Um, and this is for another time, but um, the health professions are one of those areas where the, the National Science Foundation keeps writing reports about what is STEM and what's not STEM. Mm -hmm. And the health professions, because of how it's categorized as a labor um, category, is often a different space. But um, friends I know who are nurses are uh, talented with math um, and more and more, what's exciting about all the health professions is uh, that as this intersection of technology and health become more real uh, at every stage of um, health and human services, you need to have some some savvy as a as a technologist and somebody who understands um, those systems. So I, you were describing earlier some of the e-textiles and, and wearables that you guys have been working with. And as a nurse, um, I can I can't imagine that 10 years from now, if you are a nurse, which uh you should go do, I have no doubt you're going to do whatever you want to do. Um, but I would be so shocked if e-textiles and wearables weren't a huge part of your job as a nurse in 10 years. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Hopefully, mm -hmm. if if we, this is my subliminal, or I guess now not subliminal plug for uh, us investing as a country in science, but um, these are the kinds of things that when we invest in science mm -hmm. uh, become a reality. Mm -hmm. um, the last thing I wanted to ask you before, I know you have to head out, Yamale, Um I would imagine that for an organization that's doing uh, dance and you're teaching computer science and you're teaching math, um, yes, so-so, 
Mm, not so not straight much. math, right? Mm-hmm. So it's so it's it's um, dance and computer science, mm-hmm. um, and some like um, electronics. Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. With so, the circuit, so some some uh, electronics. I would imagine that's a difficult hire. Right. So mm-hmm. like as you guys are growing, you're, th- you're having to bring on help, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. What does the resume look like of the right person for STEM from dance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, first, believe it or not, there's a there's a good number of people out there who also have background in both. I, I think we've become this hub of like a support group, maybe like, oh, I also have been dancing my whole <laughs> life and had a, you know, yeah. studied physics in college. Yeah. Uh, so that's been cool just to meet support a lot of. is hysterical. <laughs> that would be a great like cartoon. It's just that moment of you all sitting around. <laughs> um, and so in our classrooms, we bring in a dance Instructor uh-huh. and a STEM instructor. Okay, separate. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, like I mentioned, they commonly have a background in both, or at least um, the requirement is, like, if you're a dancer and have no STEM background, uh, you should be ready and willing to learn right. this, the STEM side of what STEM we do. STEM interested. Yes, right. that's a good way to put it. Got it. And, and so that has worked out well that, um, you know, of course it depends on the role. Mm-hmm. But um, at the very minimum for everybody involved is a willingness to learn um, whatever side of the coin that um, you may not have mm-hmm. a background in. Yeah, I do believe it. You started with, uh, believe it or not, uh, our team at Mouse, we have so many talented artists mm-hmm. and people who do a um, who run this um, sort of uh, back and forth between being really talented with technology and engineering, uh, but are also uh, painters, stand-up mm-hmm. comedians, musicians, uh, and all kinds of things. Media artists. Um, so I do believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to keep you too long, but I have to say this is uh, such a fun conversation. Um, I asked you before about the connection between STEM and art. And uh, one of the reasons I was so interested in having you on is because when I think about um the way back history of science and art, and you think about people like Leonardo da Vinci, Mm -hmm. you have to think that we got something wrong along the way. Because if I asked that question to Leonardo da Vinci or any of those people along the way who were talented artists, scientists, who have made some of the most important discoveries uh, both ways, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Scientifically, but also... um, offering 
contributing things culturally to mm-hmm. the world that uh, we wouldn't be the same without. Mm-hmm. I feel like we got something wrong along the way. Mm-hmm. And when I hear about programs like STEM from Dance, I get hopeful, um, like maybe there's a generation that comes after you, Danila, um, that that stops seeing them as such different things mm-hmm. and stops seeing the skills and dispositions as being so separate the way that we have with so many subject areas. Mm-hmm. Um in our learning institutions, mm-hmm. I am so grateful that there is a STEM from dance and I cannot uh, be more supportive and wish you more uh, good fortune with the organization and growth uh, the way you want it. I hope you don't grow too fast or uh, in a way that doesn't hold true to uh, that moment where you said this has to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, where for those listening who want to find out more about STEM from dance, I will definitely in the show notes, I'm going to link to the YouTube channel where you can see great uh, student run choreography. Um, where else can we find you? We have our website, stemfromdance.org, uh, our Twitter handle, Stem from Dance, and uh, over email, I'm happy to, to speak with anybody who's interested. It's my first name at stemfromdance.org. Awesome. Yamale. Uh, at STEM from Dance, and I will also, with your permission, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Danila, it was such a pleasure to meet you. I thank you for your time. Your uh, excitement about your experience in this program is all I need to know about (laughs) how it's going. Um, It's been such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. This podcast was produced with not nearly enough support. To find out more about sponsorship or funding No Such Thing, hit me on Twitter at M.A. Lesser or find my contact info at nosuchthingpodcast.wordpress. No Such Thing is made possible through partnership with CUNY SPS and their Masters in Youth Studies. Find out more at sps.cuny.edu. And Mouse. Find us on the web at mouse.org. Beats for this show are produced by Leroy Tindy, a young man who I took to the hole when they called him Black Eyes. You can find more on SoundCloud at Air Tindy Beats. The podcast is produced by me, Mark Lesser, a learner like you. Show notes can be found at nosuchthingpodcast.wordpress.com.